To another show of Don't Get This Twisted. I am Rob, along with my co-host as always, Tina. How you doing, Tina? Hey, Rob. How you doing? Oh, just peachy keen, you know, <laughs> as always. Maybe, I, actually, for today's show, I have a little anxiety today. It's been a day, so. Um, so you're in the right place. I'm in. Yeah, I'm in the right place to talk <laughs> about all kinds of stuff. Um, today we're going to talk about anxiety and depression because I think it's a massive thing that's going on in this country. Obviously, with the last two years, mm-hmm. I think if you didn't have it, you do. And if you had it, it just brought it out really, really a lot more. Mm-hmm. So I'll throw a couple of little stats here because, you know, me, I always like to throw a little bit out in the very beginning. This is from ADAA.com. It's basically a Web page on anxiety and depression. Um, anxiety yeah. disorders are the most common mental illness in the United States. It affects 40 million adults over the age of 18 or 18% of the population every year. That's pretty staggering. Um, I think it's higher than that right now. Yeah. This, this is just the average. This is the average per year or in general. Um, Anxiety disorders are highly treatable yet only 36.9% of those suffering receive treatment. Pretty interesting. People with anxiety disorder are three to five times more likely to go to the doctor and six times more likely to be hospitalized for uh, psychiatric disorders. So you're you're actually pretty, you're going to go to the doctor, even if it's just for small shit because you have anxiety. Um, So anxiety disorders develop from a complex set of risk factors, including genetics, brain chemistry, personality, and life events. So going into that, um, I will let you introduce our guest. Okay, so um, uh, my cousin Karen is going to be on the podcast today. Hey, Karen, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. Um, Today, I guess we're going to we're going to discuss dealing with depression and anxiety and and trying to uh, work through it. And I'm just going to start with my cousin. You, if you want to give him some background about you, just get started. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah, I have a title on me, um, uh, the, the title of depression, um, PTSD, anxiety, um, PTSD. Oh, I said that one. Um, PMDD. A lot of a lot of anxiety disorders. Um, <clears throat> what's PMDD? Premenstrual distort disorder. Okay. So around your, it's like really bad PMS. Gotcha. Um, so, um, uh, you know, now that I'm almost uh, in my fifties, I am well aware of what all these disorders are, but, you know, growing up, um, uh, my life wasn't, it wasn't easy. Um, you know, I was, uh, in and out of foster homes. I had, uh, um, was raped and molested by my mom's husband, um, uh, had abandonment issues, you know, a lot, a lot of issues starting at early childhood. So, um, you know, growing up as a teenager, I had tried to commit suicide more than one time, was hospitalized for it, um, spent some time in a psychiatric hospital for it. Um, but you know, in all that time, yeah, it's just a title that gets put on you. No one ever, um, you know, going to a counselor and, and talking to a counselor as a teenager isn't something that anyone really wants to do. Um, but you don't really take it seriously, or at least I didn't, you know. Right. Um, so, you know, and, and trying to reach out to, uh, you know, friends or family, you're a teenager. No one, no one really understands, you know, unless they've been there. And even if they have been there, you know, they're not in your situation. Um, you know, in, in my early, I think it was like 14, I was put in a foster home, um, you know, ripped away from my family, but I did run away granted. Uh, but you know, it just built and built and built over the years. Um, when I was, uh, 18 years old, I had been raped. And after that rape turned to, uh, methamphetamines, um, I had never touched drugs in my life, you know, so that for me was, um, a miracle drug. In all reality, it 
stopped me from feeling and thinking and basically just killed the pain. So, you know, I, I went from abuse and then into drug addiction and, um, uh, I, I pulled myself out of the addiction, you know, it was clean and sober for 10 years before I relapsed, uh, around my mom's passing, but, um, and that sent me to prison. So, um, you know, it, I, I saw a lot of counselors. I, I went for help, but it never really was there. <clears throat> no one could ever, uh, there, there was just no help, you know? Yeah. I went to, you know, a psychologist and I went to psychiatrist and all they want to do is give you pills, you know, take right. this pill, uh, take this pill for your anxiety, take this pill for your depression, take this pill to sleep, take this pill. You know, I was a, a basket case, mm-hmm. you know? So, so that I came to, you know, after being clean and sober, relapsing. Um, and it wasn't until that final relapse when I uh, did a little stint in prison that I finally realized that I was on a path of, of self-destruction, you know, mm-hmm. and that I was the only one that could save myself, that could help myself. And so being in prison, you know, for a couple of years, you have more than enough time to think. So, um, you know, it was in prison that I, uh, dealt with my mom's passing. Uh, me and my mom weren't on the best of terms, uh, for many years. Um, but luckily I was there when she passed. Uh, so I had to really take a deep look at myself, at my parents. Uh, my dad wasn't in my life. Um, but I knew my dad, you know, was an addict as well. But it, uh, I really had to take a look at myself and, and figure out what my triggers were. Once you go to prison, you know, you don't really get the medications and stuff that you have on the outside to really help and treat yourself. Okay. Um, prison definitely doesn't have a good um, mental health regimen. <laughs> for right. sure. So you go from taking all these pills and numbing yourself <clears throat> to going to prison and being with nothing. Mm-hmm. So I did a lot of counseling in prison. Uh, I took a lot of classes, uh, a lot of self-help classes. Um, I turned to exercise and um, yoga, meditation. Um, and that was scary for me at first because you're alone and you're in your own head. Right. And, you know, your thoughts and your own your own thoughts and being in your own head it's it's, it can be a scary place a very scary place Uh, and if you sit long enough in the silence you know things come up you know um true reality things come up and and they're pretty scary especially things that you've done or um have had done to you um it, it just it was a scary scary place in my head um, but then it gave me the chance to really look, uh, look deeper, look deeper at my, I guess I, I, I held a lot of resentment towards my mom and towards my, my dad. Um, How could you not? Right. Mm-hmm. But once I, I got to know, mind you, my dad passed away in 2009, uh, to 1999. So, but I never had a relationship with him, but through family such as Tina and, uh, um, things that I remembered my mom saying, things I even learned from my brother who had spent time with my dad. My dad had a really messed up childhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're not going to go into all that, but my dad had a messed up childhood. My dad couldn't be there for me because he had never healed from his own childhood. That's true. You know, my mom had a rough childhood as well. And my mom, was a, she was a good mom, don't get me wrong, but my mom made choices that endangered us but for the best, she tried her best, you know? Mm-hmm. So once I really got into realizing that my thoughts and my expectations of my mother and of my parents and of people in my life that I had, that had hurt me or that I had uh, took what they said or what they did to like to heart, like I had no right to do that. I had no right. You know, if someone goes up to you and they say you're ugly, you know, or you're fat or you're, whatever and if you accept their words as your truth then that's that's on you you know right you right. don't you you don't so i had to learn that the hard way and 
And once I, I actually uh, was able to sit with that for a very long time, uh, in uh, a lot of meditations, a lot of hours of meditations, Tini can vouch for that. Lots of hours. Um, yeah. I was actually able to dig inside and actually forgive my abusers, um, forgive, you know, my mother, my father, um, other people that, that uh, I can, I took their hurt and their pain as my own. You know, it was hard to forgive them. Um, but once I did, forgiveness is a powerful, powerful thing. And uh, it wasn't until, you know, my early 40s that I actually learned that forgiveness has nothing to do with the person. It has nothing to do with um, with what they did or, or you know, or, or even letting it go. It has to do with you forgiving yourself uh, for either taking on their abuse or allowing it or however you want to see that. I'm not saying that, you know, I allowed him to abuse me. I'm not saying that, but... Uh, once you forgive him for who he is or whoever, whoever it is, once I was able to forgive him for what he had done, what he had done and his sickness of his, his own sickness, then I was able to let that hurt go. Right. And, and honestly, to this day, I, I don't hold on, you know, to any of it, to any, any, any hurt in, in that, in that aspect. Um, so I, I've grown a lot. I'm not saying I don't have a lot to go, but I, I've grown a lot in that aspect, learning how to learning what my triggers are. That's a, that's a big thing as well as with anxiety and depression, um, PTSD, there's triggers, you know, once you realize what that trigger is and you look at head on and you deal with that trigger and you, you dig so deep into yourself that you find those cells that are holding onto that memory that allows that trigger to trigger you, then you level up, you know, you spiral up. So once that trigger comes around again, it's no longer a trigger. Right. You know? So, you know, I, I work on that, on, on that every day. Um, and, and just recently uh, I went into about, I'm not saying I still don't uh, d- uh, deal with depression and anxiety, you know, uh, like I said, I have a lot of things to work on, but just this recently in, um, in January, I worked all through COVID. So our, our company never shut down. So, um, I, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't at home, you know, sitting, uh, with myself. So, um, just recently in, in January, I was let go of my job that I had been to been at it for almost three years. Um, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a voluntary thing. I'm not going to go into it on this podcast, but it, uh, it sent me, it threw me for a loop, yeah. you know, it, it really threw me for a loop, um, financially, mentally, spiritually, um, physically. And so, um, you know, since January, um, I'm lucky enough to have a, a very, um, devoted partner to me that allows me to, to, if I need to sit in the, on the, sit in the bed and just lay there for a day or two, she'll let me, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, as long as I don't, as long as I don't sit too long, um, um, but I've had to go through a whole nother cycle in my life where I have to reinvent myself again. Right. Um, so it's, it's not something that I have never done. I've reinvented myself several times. Um, but this time is, is, um, it feels different. Um, a lot of my anxiety and stress come from um the workplace I, I do construction um so it's not a you know a low anxiety job um with what i do so um right before covid hit i i did graduate as an ayurvedic practitioner a holistic health practitioner um me and my wife were going to start our clinic and then of course covid hit so we had to shut it down so i was right on the brisk of getting out of everything that I had known and moving into something different, which is an anxiety itself, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, um, I had to stay where I was, but then to just be kicked in the ass and pushed out the door, like you're absolutely nobody, uh, brought back a lot of, <laughs> a lot of, um, triggers, I guess. Um, you know, feeling less than feeling, uh, for me, you know, I was, I allowed myself to feel less than, um, you know, not good enough. And that's something that I struggle with. 
So um, just recently, I, um, I've i never been one to be on video or do TikToks or do anything like that because it just, I don't know, it scares the shit out of me. <laughs> um, I should just put my, like, I can talk, but just to put my face out there, I don't know. It just mm-hmm. does something to me. So um, recently, I have, um, my partner has been uh, very supportive in my new venture, um, which is going into basically it's going to be, you know, my Ayurvedic and holistic healing and, and stuff like that. Um, but we're also putting into it. I'm learning how to do affiliate marketing. Um, and that's really taking off something I've never, ever done in my life. Um, but it's, um, I want to be independent, 100% independent where the rug can't be pulled out from underneath to me. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm, I worked very hard my whole life. I've worked, I've been working since I was 14 years old. Um, so, but it's always been making someone else millions, you know? So, uh, we're on this new venture. So we, um, I have to start over again. What I mean by that to keep me out of the depression and anxiety is like, there's certain things you have to do every day. You just, you just have to do them in order to keep your mind clear. Right. Uh, Simple things like get up in the morning and take a shower. (laughs) I'll go through my depression in four or five days. I won't shower. And I will get, you know, I know it sounds disgusting, but I'm Ew. not doing, I know, but you know, it's, it's, it's reality. It's the reality of depression and anxiety. You know, you can't even, you can't move. So there's simple things, you know, like uh, get up, take a shower. Um, a simple thing, make the bed, mm-hmm. you know, you just make the bed, you're starting fresh, um, you know, exercise a little bit. I don't mean like, you know going out running a marathon or doing anything like that but I have a bike right here in my living room you know sit on it while you're looking at the tv just sit on it and move the pedals yeah, many or goals. go uh-huh go take Absolutely. the dog for a walk you know um there's certain um herbal remedies that that I take on a daily basis some tea uh, Tulsi tea um it's just an herb it's a flowering you know a plant um it's a very holy plant in Ayurveda um, it's, it's helped, it uses, it's used to help clear the mind, clear all the, the mind channels, the mind chatter. It's used for anxiety, depression, you know, stuff like that, just simple things. And then also incorporating into it, healthy foods. And I'm not saying, you know, go out and, and change your whole diet, but for me, it's eating something, uh, you know, like fresh made from home, you know, whether it's just a bowl of rice and vegetables or, or, you know, some oatmeal or, or something, you know, uh, along those lines of just something simple, because in all honesty, you can't get your mind right if your nutrition isn't right. You can't That's get, your, you know, your nutrition right if you're not exercising just a little bit, you know, a couple steps here and there, or it's better than, um, you know, doing nothing. But some days, you know, it's like I said, it's taken me for a loop. So and I don't take medications. I don't, you know. Uh, or as far as um, prescription drugs, I don't, I don't take anything like that. Um, Have you had your vitamin D level checked? Yeah. I, yeah. I've had all that. My, my, that's the funny thing about it. I, you know, yeah, I'm a little bit overweight, you know, but um, my, my labs, my health is, is perfect. Good. I don't have any issues, uh, issues there. Um, but one thing I, I did, I did want to mention in this podcast that uh, my wife reminded me of, um, you know, along with depression and anxiety comes, uh, let's just be honest, suicide. There's a very mm-hmm. high suicide rate. And since COVID has even gotten higher. And I did mention earlier that I had tried to commit suicide several times as a teenager. Um, and uh, the last time I was uh, in a transition, which was what, babe, like five years ago, four years ago? Like four years ago, I was really bad. My depression had hit me really bad. and. Um, and I actually, I, I was talking to my wife and she's like, you need to get help. So I was like, all right, I'll, okay, I'll go. I'll go see a psychologist, right? So we went to a mental health psychologist. <laughs> hey, the lady asked me a couple questions and she's like, yeah, you definitely need to be seen. You know, you definitely need to see somebody. And um, she's like, uh, the, fir- the, vir- the first available appointment we have is a, a month and a half out. Nice. I love the healthcare <laughs> system. And I was like, like, I told my wife when she walked out, I'm like, well, why doesn't she just hand me the rope so I can jump out the window? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, seriously. So, you know, it it just, it blows my mind 
they have all these, these, the hotlines and they have these numbers and they're like, oh, call your doctor, do this, do that. But, but it's, 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 a, it's scary. It's scary, especially if you don't have somebody, you know, that's willing to at least listen to you or pick up the phone or sit with you or cry with you or, you know. I think that goes back to what I've always said is having your village. You know, you, if you have people around you that, that will, that you could be vulnerable with and be honest with and get that support, even that helps, you know, just having somebody to be able to talk to. <clears throat> Not every psychologist knows how to deal with somebody that's gone through things that you've gone through, but your friend who, who watches and grows with you will. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And then there's a lot of good psychologists out there. I'm not saying there's not, you know, I have gone to mm-hmm. a couple and, uh, you know, just to have someone to, to talk to, to get, you know, things off your chest that you don't want to tell your partner, you don't want to tell, you know, uh, a family member or whatever. But I, I guess my point to this whole thing is that, um, you know, when you get to that point where you're down, not suicidal, I'm not saying that's a completely different uh, realm there, but the anxiety, depression, if you can figure out what your triggers are, you know, if you can figure out what little thing you can do and, and by, by all means, a shower, you know, those po- positive ions flowing over your body can actually change, you know, the chemical makeup in your brain. They can change, you know, in that, in that moment, what, how you're feeling, you know, uh, put positive energy back onto you. Right. You talk about triggers. What, what are some of your triggers? Um, well, I didn't realize it was a trigger until I got laid off or fired or whatever I was. Um, that was a trigger for me because I had busted my ass, you know, for the last two years, um, working basically seven days a week, not into the, not in the office seven days a week, but you know, and mind you, I drive, I drove, uh, two and a half hours each way back and forth to work. Oh shit. Yeah. So I drove from uh, where I live all the way up to Sherman Oaks, you know, and worked overtime and worked, you know, on call and, you know, you bust your ass so bad, you know, so much. Um, and then just turn around and have someone, um, just let you go because they're pissed off at you, you know? So it really hit me. It really hit me in a way where I felt it made me feel First of all, insecure, not about myself, but insecure about my future. Mm-hmm. You know, who doesn't live paycheck to paycheck right now? Um, you know, my wife uh, isn't working. She has an, an injury, so she's out on workers comp. Uh, you know, so it made me feel really vulnerable in the way of financial, you know, financial stability. Uh, that's it. I guess that's a trigger for me. <laughs> yeah, not being able to take. Yeah, not being able to take care of yourself. That's that would be a trigger. I mean, yeah. you could go. You could go from you know zero to homeless in in a matter of a month. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's really hitting a lot of people. And I guess just being, I don't know. It almost feels like naive. Uh, what had happened is this new, this new owner took over our company and he's been there about a year, a little over a year now, doesn't know what he's doing, has no clue what he's doing. So he was running the business into the ground. Uh, but he's like, you know, I'm going to, I promise you this and this and this and this and this, all these list of things that he was going to provide for us. Um, just stay with me and work hard and work hard and work hard. And then, you know, to have that just literally fire me when I'm at home, taking care of my wife after surgery. So, uh, it made me very angry as well. It made me very angry. I wanted to lash out. I didn't, but I wanted to lash out. So, uh, yeah, that's a trigger for me. That was definitely a trigger for me. It made me my self-worth. I allowed it. That's my point is I allowed my self-worth to go down, which I shouldn't have, you know, but I'm still working on that, you know, but that's, um, yeah, when, when I guess. That's a trigger for me. You know, I have, I still have abandonment issues. Uh, I'm working through those, you know, um, they come up every once in a while, you know, when I feel, you know, some kind of way, I guess. Um, it's, it, it affects my self-confidence. So, you know, I, and then another thing is the triggers. I, I can't allow myself to sit in my head. Like I can, yeah. I can, I'm the best role player in my head. I can make a, I can make a mini series in my head. <laughs> but I need to stay in the reality of those are just your thoughts. So that's that's one of my biggest triggers. My biggest triggers are my own thoughts. 
I, I think that's the hardest part with everybody though. It's so easy to get into your own head. And if you're an overthinker, I, I'm an overthinker. So I, I can, I can make up every single scenario in my head of how things can go bad or good. And they'll either drag you down, drown you or let you, you know, rise up. But with depression, I think you find yourself sliding. It's like, like you said, like you lose your job and you start sliding to where you feel like it's out of control. And then if something else happens during that same time period, you feel like you're just sliding and sliding and sliding. And, and it's like you said, it's, if you don't have anyone there to at least stop you from sliding, that's the bigger thing. It's like, you need somebody there to go, look, you know, it's going to be okay, but you're going to have to fight for it. You're going to have to do this. You're going to have to do that. That's, I think the hardest part about depression. I, I had a roommate who she was clinically depressed and she could tell me sitting at the table, like I have about a depression coming on. I could f- literally, and, and I was like, okay, cool. And I could work around that, you know, in life. And it was great. Cause like, uh, you know, if she needed to come in my room and lay on the bed and just talk, that's what we did. Or if she just needed to come in, like she would come in my, my room, my door was always open. She would come in my room, lay on the bed and go to sleep. Just yeah, to, she just didn't want to be alone. It's yeah. comfort. Yeah, comfort. It was an escape. So it was great. So, but a lot of people aren't like that. A lot of people don't. Yeah, they don't have that. Or another run is they've been on, uh, you know, been this way for so long that they just it just wears people out, especially, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, people that are on uh, addicts. You know, you can you give to them so much you 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 give and give and give. But one thing with uh, with that is because, you know, I, I'm I'm a recovering addict myself, um, you know, until you're ready to get figured out yourself. There's really not much there's not much people can do unless not. And one thing on that is, is I deal with this with a lot of people that I know until you're read until you can see your part of what's going on you can't fix it and so many people are stuck in a in their mindset of of poor me or uh you know all this stuff happened to me and that's why I am the way I am and you know I I understand that because I used to be like that you know a friend of mine told me one time you are addicted to being depressed and I got mm. so angry and I got so pissed off and I was like, you, you know, you don't know, but you know what? She was right because I had started at a, the youngest I could remember is four years old. I, I, I could remember back to four years old of all this stuff that happened and happened and happened. And I didn't know any of the positive feeling. I didn't know any feeling, but this dread, because that's what I brought was brought up with. So until you realize that you can change your thoughts and you can change how you feel, there's there's really not much moving forward until you understand that. That's true. But it's, you know, it, I, uh-huh. I think that a lot of time there's so much weight on a person's shoulders that I don't know if they're necessarily addicted to being depressed, but it's got to be hard to walk around with that for as long as I've seen people do it. So I don't know if you were addicted to it or if you but Girl, you had a lot. I did, but like you had a lot. Yeah, I do. I did. But at the same time, I had a choice whether to keep it or to get rid of it. Right. So when you choose to keep that baggage and, and mull it over day after day after day after day, it's a choice. But a lot of like, it took me a long time to realize it was a choice to, hey, I don't have to hold on to this guilt. What the hell? Why am I kicking this shit around? It's not mine to carry. Mm-hmm. And you know, so maybe maybe addicted isn't the right word, but we, it's a choice to keep that baggage or to let that baggage go. You know, yeah. you you uh, you can't expect to get more abundance in your life if you have stagnant stagnant shit that's still sitting there that you haven't got rid of yet. That's true. So I guess that's that's you know kind of where I'm at. So it's a daily struggle, you know. And when you're when you're asking me about my triggers, one trigger that I uh, have is. Well, I don't know if it's a trigger, but I, um, I have PMDD. I've been diagnosed with that for uh, quite a long time. So when my cycle's coming, like a week before, I'm like anxious and I'm depressed and I'm sore and I'm like angry. And, and then I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, okay. I'm going to start my, I'm going to start my cycle. So then I'm like, okay, there is nothing wrong. Okay. I just have to get through this. So once I'm like, okay, I'll get through it. Then 
I don't allow it to trigger me because I know it's coming. Does that make that sense? Makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does make sense. If you, you know what you're, it. yeah. And if you know what you're feeling, you have, you know where to start. Right. You exactly. know what I mean? Or you know if it's real or not. Like, should I be scared? Do I need to be mad? Do I need to be anxious? No, there's nothing to be anxious about. So, you know, knowing, knowing yourself and knowing your body, you have to really get in touch with your body to know what it's telling you. I would so. agree with that. Would agree. I think um, I, I often wonder like how much depression runs in our family because the level of addiction is in it is so high. Um, but I, looking back in my life, I've always felt like I've had a low level of depression, and it just kind of stayed stayed with me. Like it was part of who I was, or part of my personality, or whatever. And I've known in times in my life where it doesn't take very much for it to go high. You know what I mean? Cause I think yeah. I'm already at a low level, but you definitely have to work every day at being happy, finding the blessings, finding the joy in life and, and trying to get through things that, you know, they're not easy to get through, but if you look for the, I have a sixth sense of humor, you know? So when, so when things get really heavy for me, the worst of the worst of the worst stories come out of my mouth or the things I want to say, you know, come out. But I find that just having that sense of humor has stopped me from, from you know, going down that spiral, you know, or getting worse or getting to a point where I couldn't get myself back up. And also I asked about vitamin D. I had a vitamin D deficiency and apparently vitamin D is, is something that the brain needs and the body needs to absorb all the other vitamins, but it's also something that you need for, for good mental health. And I was really deficient in that. So that's why I was asking if you had that, but I don't know. I think I know where you're at with reinventing yourself because I'm in the same place. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just keep looking at things and as, as shitty as it is, I keep telling myself, you know, it's still not that bad. I still had a good day. I still found a way to be happy. And I think that that, that too, like trying to just, it's still not that bad. I've, I've been through worse, you know, so it, it kind of, for me, it just kind of calms things down a little bit or takes the edge off, but yeah, I definitely think our whole family, not our whole family, but <laughs> A good majority of our family have these types of issues. And I think we're, we're just living with them. I think our generation is starting to, um, to change and they're starting to get past them, but it's a slow process, especially when you don't even know where to start. And for you, where do you start and which, which time is the start? Was it, when your mom died, was it when you got out of prison? Was it when you met your latest girlfriend? Like, it seems like you've started, stopped and started and reinvented yourself so many times. You really do make it look easy, but I didn't realize the struggle that you were going through while you were making it look easy. You know what I mean? So it's, um, mm -hmm. well, I, I, I make it a point to give myself permission to be down a day or two. Right. Um, I, I give myself permission um, because I used to be that person where you had to put on that smile and everything had to look good and everything had to be this way. And if someone asks you how you're doing, you say, oh, I'm fine. No, if you if you I tell people, if you really want to know how I'm doing, you better make sure you want the answer. Right. You know, don't because, ask if you don't want to know. Yeah, don't ask. Exactly. And don't ask for my opinion if you don't want to know, you know. So um, but I give myself permission to be down, to to not be OK, to uh, turn my brain off. I, I actually literally tell myself, okay, Karen, it's okay to sit here and do nothing today. You know, it's okay. Um, we'll start again tomorrow. And so because I do that, I, I don't have the guilt of like, you know, I have to go, I have to go, I have to go, I have to keep doing something, doing something, doing something. Um, I got burned out on that. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's a, it's a daily thing, but, um, you know, I, I have a very good partner that keeps me, uh, she'll check me when I need to be checked, you know? So, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and as far as our, our family, depending on what your beliefs are, uh, you know, I think mine and yours are kind of the same is we took on a lot of familiar, uh, family, um, 
uh, karma, you know, uh, I, I believe in that. I believe in family karma. So, um, you know, our parents weren't open uh, like we are about anything, really. <laughs> My mom never talked about anything. As far as the world knew, we were the perfect family. So families didn't talk about depression, sadness, rape, um, gays, lesbians, you know, prison. Like no one talked about it, you know, our generation. So, you know, the more we talk about it, the the more people are going to be able to relate and heal because they're not alone. That's you true. Know? Like none of us are alone, even when we like literally are alone in our home. We're not alone. So, yeah, I agree with that. And yeah, the family karma thing is, I mean, you and I've talked about that, um, you know, we're, we're put into a family for a reason and to get the lessons we get and, and here we are doing it, you know? Um, yeah. So I agree with you on that. It's, it's a lot and yet it could be so much worse. You know what I mean? We could be in a, in a worse situation. We could not have each other. We could not have the family that we lean on and stuff. So mm-hmm. I always try for me, I always try to keep that in mind. Like, okay, it's still not bad. When I was 40, I felt like my world was crushing, just crushing like on my soul. Um, it was coming down and I always go back to that. And I'm like, okay, it still doesn't feel as bad as when I was 40. So I could do this. Like I've already been through the worst of it. Like I remember times when I sat and the ache was so fucking bad. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, okay, I don't have that ache. So I could still do this. I could still, and I, I talk myself off. I don't want to say off the ledge. Cause I, I wouldn't say I'm suicidal, but I mean, off that, that point of, of where the energy is starting to buzz. Cause you feel so it's so intense, the negativity and negativity and the, and the frustration and the, and the, the grief and whatever it is that I'm feeling, you know, I, I have to constantly say to myself, it's still not that bad team. You're waking up every day. You got a roof over your head. You have really good friends. You have great family. You know, you're writing a book, you got a podcast, you still had some sort of work today, but you also had time to breathe. Right. And that for me is kind of what brings me down. But I was wondering, what would you say to somebody who's in a place where they feel suicidal? Like, what did you need to hear that you didn't hear? Um, well, back when I was suicidal, it was, you know, it was, um, when I was in and out of the foster home, you know, after being raped and molested and, uh, um, so I don't know my mom, my mom wasn't there. She didn't talk to me, you know, uh, she just didn't talk to me about what was going on. She was preoccupied with her new boyfriend at the time. So, uh, you know, it just, there's not any words specifically. You just, they just need to get it out. They need to get out what they're feeling, you know, and, and in any situation, whether that someone is right or wrong and who knows what right or wrong is, but mm-hmm. people just want to be heard. They want to know that, that somebody heard what they felt and what they went through, even if it's not reality, even if it's just some mental uh, shit in their head, they just, at that moment, no one has the right to tell them what they feel. You know, so it's just, it's about being heard. So the people just want to be heard and they want to be felt, uh, knowing that someone, uh, you know, understands them. And I think mm-hmm. that's just the biggest thing is you just, whatever, if someone's suicidal, they just need someone to talk to or listen, not even advice. You don't need to give them advice. You just need to listen, let them get it out. So they know that out of the 7 billion people, somebody on this earth heard them. Yeah. I think that's it. You know, just no advice. No, oh, let's try this. No, just listen. A lot of times they'll figure it out themselves. You know? Mm -hmm. So I think that's the biggest thing. It's just someone just wants to listen. Like sometimes when I'm when I'm upset, I don't want I don't if I'm talking to my honey, I don't I want her to just listen and I'll tell her, honey, I just want you to listen to me, or she'll tell me. Because you know, I have a big mouth, I like to give advice. She'll just say, shut up and just listen. So I'll be like, okay. And I'll just listen to what she has to say so she can get it out. You know, and a lot of the times she'll like, she'll be like, oh, well, I should do this or I should do that. Really? Because you didn't need my advice. You figured it out yourself, but she just needs to get she it out. She needed a sounding board. I used to say that to my ex. You don't need to fix me. This isn't your problem. 
I just need to rage right now. Can I just like have that? And you don't throw your shit on somebody else, but you just tell them everything that's going on without making it their problem. Let, let them just be there. And, and it makes it easier if they could just be there. They don't have to fix you. You get to process whatever you're going through, say what you need to say. And then hopefully at the end, you could come to your own conclusion because ultimately it's going to be what you need to get through whatever it is you're going through, not anybody else. Yep. And totally 100% agree with that. Yeah. I, that was, that was big for me. And I realized that especially in dealing with men, because if you tell men that there's a problem, they're like, okay, what do I need to fix? And I'm like, whoa, whoa, you can't fix me. Like you could be on the journey, but you can't fix me. And I, I had to say, I don't need to be fixed. I just need you to listen. And that, that did help tremendously. It helped our relationship and it also helped, it also helped to, to get my needs met in a positive way without having to, you know, you never listen to me. I didn't have to start all that shit. I didn't want to go a girl, you know, go girl on him or you just throw it all. Well, communication is key. It's key to anything. Any, any, any relationship, uh, whether it's it's family, friends, coworker, anything, it's just communication. Without that, you're screwed. Yep. And just you know, say something like, I, "I've known people that say I didn't want to, I didn't want to call you, I didn't want to burden you with this." Well, shit, you know what would be more of a burden? Going to your funeral. Call me. Call yeah. me. Let's talk. You know, you I, told I'm, me that before. <laughs> you know, you want to talk about a fucking burden? Try planning a funeral. That's to me, that's a burden. You having issues and needing me to get on a plane, getting on a in the car, going to wherever you are. That's not a burden. That's being who I need to be to love you, and that should be okay. So don't think that you can't reach out or that you that that nobody's going to be there. I mean, pick somebody that you know would be, and and say something. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing I've had people in my life that didn't say something. And I wish they had, because had I known I would have been there and I would have been given the opportunity to at least let them know they were something to me. And I guess that's what ultimately, you know, the, the whole point of this is, is, you know, it's okay for you to ask for help. It's okay for you to not be perfect. And it's okay for you to love somebody even when they're not. It just, it, it's all okay. Like we need to stop putting blame on people. We need to stop saying, oh, well, I don't do that because I don't want somebody to get one over on me. No, be hum- be a human being and, you know, start just being, quit being so freaking um, selfish, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think that's the bigger thing too, is that if, if you're the person who's getting the call, if you can't help them, find them help. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's it, it. Maybe they're asking you to listen to see if you can't find the person to help them because sometimes we can't help. That's we're either you know not smart enough, not in the right place at the time because some people can't take that burden on. But you can find someone else within that same group of people to help. Um. I lost a friend to drugs who unfortunately um, was a really, really good friend of mine. And once I got married and had a kid, I think he took that as of, of separating us and he kind of met other people and kind of went off. And unfortunately, you know, he died in his thirties and oh, he wow. was, he was a, and he was a great human being. He just, unfortunately got caught in the wrong situations at the wrong time. And, you know, his father had found him. So, you know, I mean, Mm. it it hurt a friend group, but his family, I mean, to find your own child had to be the most devastating thing ever. I couldn't Mm -hmm. even imagine. So, but I think he would call me periodically and I think he was seeking help. And, and I tried several times to help him, like you said, but the, the mirror didn't get him. He just didn't, he wasn't ready for help as much as we all wanted to help him. And, and it's unfortunate, but I think in your, like you're saying, it's you, you have to find your own mental space as well. 
you know, you're, that you're like you said before, and it really hit home for me, you know, the room in your head as empty as it is, is filled with shit and, and it'll it weigh you down or drown you. And it's absolutely horrid. And it'll, like you said, physically, like, um, I kind of went through some things a few years ago of depression and, and lost tons of weight and didn't want to eat. And I love food to the point where like food made me sick. Yeah. And, and so you'll, you know, you hit home on a lot of things that I've felt in the past where I didn't think I had any depression issues, but obviously we all have some. And I think it's handling that. Like when I, when I read some of the stuff, um, earlier, you know, when you look at it, like you said, genetic, it's a genetic thing. These are things that are passed down through people, oh, yeah. mostly, mostly addicts. Um, but even mental states, you know, and like your brain chemistry, you, you talked a lot about that. And I think that is something, how, how do you alter your own brain chem- chemistry? Like you said, eat good food, you know, exercise, because those all produce things, chemicals that balance out the shitty stuff <laughs> with the really good stuff. Um, over the past, like four months, I've been, or maybe five months now, I go to the gym every morning and I feel so different. Well, yeah, it um, kicks in your endorphins, which yeah, and, it beats depression. And it, yeah. And it's, and it beats, I mean, I've never done any drugs. So I'm one of those kind of weird people that like are out there that, that say, you know, I've told my friends that oh, I've never done anything, but the best chemical reactions I've ever had are, um, those kind of stimulations where either like exercise or being in front of a crowd or that kind of thing, where you get that endorphin rush so much that you don't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, I think it's finding, trying to find the balance of that with your depression. Absolutely. I 100% agree. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I was, that's what I was getting at is we, you know, when people say they do something, they're like, well, I'm only human. I'm only human. But they're taking that in the context where we're human. Do you understand the capabilities that we have to to heal ourselves, to to do and be anything that you want, anything, you know, at all? That's that's a gift to to be human. So uh, it's in my mindset that 100 percent you can completely heal yourself, you know, physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. That's that's the journey that I'm on. And. And that's also through my Ayurvedic practice. So when I know that I'm not eating right, I feel like crap. When I know that I'm not doing what I need to be doing, you know, so then I have to bring myself back. Uh, Yeah, 100%. You know, you get, uh, you know, a funny thing that you're talking about addicts, not funny, but, you know, me and my wife were just talking about this today. You know, you go to drug rehab for 30 days and, you know, your insurance will only pay for that. But do you realize it takes 14 to 16 months for the chemicals in your brain to rebalance and in your body to rebalance, you know, you get out of rehab, your serotonin levels are so are so depleted and so low that you don't even mentally function right. Mm-hmm. You know, so no wonder so many people, you know, get out of rehab and relapse or, you know, go commit a crime to go, you know, and they just fall right back because they're chemically not right. So, mm-hmm. you know, by, by what you said, by exercise, eating right, uh, meditating. And let me tell you something. Meditation is not about silencing your mind. Um, A lot of people think that, oh, I can't silence my mind. I can't silence the monkeys. It's not about that. It's just about sitting in silence and watching. You can just watch the thoughts go. You don't have to interact with the thoughts. That's the whole difference. You just look at it like a movie. You know, you're watching a movie in your head and you're not interacting with it. Just let the thoughts go. If you don't interact with the thoughts, then they don't create any chemical reactions in your body. They don't create any emotions. So, uh, you know, and breathing, just deep breathe, just sit there and take a couple, three, four deep breaths, count to 10 and believe it or not, that can change your mindset in 10 seconds. You know, it can change your heart rate in 10 seconds that for that anxiety, you're going from zero to a hundred, you know, 10 deep breaths and you're back down to, you know, normal heart rate. Mm -hmm. So It's a a small reset. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Or go on the tree. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're a computer. Sometimes you have to unplug it and plug it back in. Exactly. Yeah. And and as I think, you know, is, is 
complex as we are as humans, we are simple. And as simple as we are, we are very complex. Yeah, I like that. You know what I mean? So yep. it's it's this very uh, big balance. So um, we're, we're running close to the end here. Uh, g- give me a final thought. What do, what do you want to tell people out there that are listening in a, in a very simple, a very simple thing to for tomorrow when people who wake up from hearing this, what's the first thing that, that you're going to say right now that should pop in their head? I know I'm putting you on the spot, but if I could just go, give me one. Um, right before you wake up and right when you wake up, before you put your feet on the bed, uh, tell yourself, uh, five things that you're grateful for. <laughs> so they say that sitting in gratitude, you cannot be depressed when you're sitting in gratitude. Exactly. Yeah. Set your intentions either the night before the night before set your intentions, positive intentions for the day before remind yourself in the morning when you wake up what those are before your feet even hit the ground. Perfect. There you go. Tina, do you want to Thank give you. them the, the nonsense or do you yeah, want me to? But I, I love you, Karen. Thank you so much for doing this with us. I love you um, too. Um, you know, you could always call me and I am that crazy one that will go to you wherever you are. <laughs> for we've, sure. we've been there and done that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, having said that, uh, we're doing really well. We are worldwide and worldwide. we are now in Russia, which I thought was kind of bizarre for the for the times that we're yeah. in right now. Kenya. Um, we, we got Kenya. Kenya. Yeah. Yeah. Kenya. We did. And, but here's a funny thing. I, I, I thought once I saw it, you know, it was, they, they listened to the coffee episode and if you don't, I didn't know, but coffee is like huge in Africa. So maybe that's why, but Kenya, I mean, that's crazy. It's not even like an English speaking country. That's That's awesome. Love it. Yeah. So, uh, Listeners, please continue to listen. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, Outcast, Player, Facebook, iHeartRadio. Uh, yeah, we're we're starting to get in all kinds of places. I've noticed in all kinds um, of trouble. And um, not, not yet, but it may be coming. Anyway, we're well on our way. Uh, please follow and uh, look for our episodes. We we would really like to keep going and doing this, and the more. The more we have people listening, the better. So, correct. Yes. And uh, hopefully, we're going to be doing a few things on YouTube. Maybe a couple things before shows, kind of get you guys hyped up for it. Oh, just so you know, Tina, we actually got West Virginia as well. Hey, so now, West so now Virginia. We got another state. We're well on our way. You know, nice, nice a nice John Denver song. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, as you know, this is a. Uh, an opinion show. So don't get it twisted. <laughs> and for our guest, thank you so much for coming on and listening to the rest of our incredible bullshit. And I had to say one, cause I didn't get any cuss words out this whole show. Um, <laughs> and thanks I a lot did. for coming on. Go yeah, figure. you did. Thanks a lot for coming on. Um, I'll say, I love you too. Cause I hate to be never, I hate to be second fiddle to anyone. And you're welcome back anytime when we start talking about something a little not so serious because we, we need to have a couple of new shows where people are laughing. Oh, oh we, yes. got, we, got good, we got good stuff too. And, and, and by the time this one comes out, we would have already done our party show. So hopefully everyone will come was on that show and, and, and crazy stuff. So I'm looking forward to that. We're going to have a blast. Yeah. So uh, for our guests, Karen, thank you very much for coming on. For my co-host, as always, Tina, I am Rob. This is Don't Get This Twisted. We'll see you next Wednesday.